We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz and I will be your host today. I am joined as always by my co-host Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, how are you doing today? Doing good. It's good to be here. We're actually doing the show off of a win. It's been a little while since we've been able to do that. So that's yeah, good news. Always, always good to have those wins in there. Um, and, you know... I, I just a quick takeaway from Sunday's game, Jacob. My takeaway is give Aaron Jones the football. <laughs> I know you and I have been on that forever, um, and I I know there are certain people like my fiance who is tired of hearing me say it, but it seems so obvious that he should be a key part of the offense. Yes, I'll I'll say this for what you will. The Packers had three possessions early in the game. Two of them went for touchdowns when Aaron Jones was on the field. And one of them was a failed fourth down conversion with Jamal Williams on the field. Make of that what you will. I I totally agree. And I will say this. I think Jamal Williams is a good player. I think he has a role on the team. But as far as, man, Aaron Jones clearly has proven that he should be on the field more. I'm sure it's been talked to death. So we'll move forward, mostly because it's been talked to death, but also because it's Wednesday, Jacob. We already play tomorrow night, That's so right. it's a very quick turnaround here. We're not playing on Sunday. Um, we got Thursday night football this week in Seattle. 
which you and I were talking a little bit before here, we don't feel so great about it, not because we don't think Green Bay can win, but just being a road team, Thursday night football, you usually don't win. This year alone, road teams are 2-8 and eight on the road, Thursday night football. The only two teams to win on Thursday night football, the Denver Broncos beat the very, very bad Arizona Cardinals in Arizona, and the Philadelphia Eagles went to New York and beat the New York Giants on Thursday night football. So both teams that won on the road this year played teams that are not very good. Seattle, while not great, is far more formidable of an opponent than the Cardinals or the Giants. I think we'd both agree. So, Jacob, just want to run through some things here quick, and I want to grab your thoughts. Since 2014, in 2014, 6 and 10 on Thursday Night Football. In 2015, again, they were 6 and 10. 2016, they were 4 and 12. 2017, just last year, road teams fared a little better, eight and eight. This year, though, like we already said, two and eight so far on the road. Now, when you talk about the series between Green Bay and Seattle Packer fans, we do lead that series 13 to eight. Last five games, last year, opening weekend, beat them 17 to nine. Improbable run the table. We ended up beating them 38 to 10. And then the year before that, at Lambeau, week number two, I believe it was, or maybe it was opening weekend again, they beat the Seahawks 27 17. We don't need to go to the one before that. Then you go more. And then the game before that was in the same season. Uh, where we opened the year on Thursday night football in Seattle, we got beat 36 to 16. Now, so the, we won the last three games against Seattle. All three of those games were at home. When you, the last time Green Bay won in Seattle was 2008, and if I, if I'm correct, which I believe I am, that was Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter. Correct. So. Going back, this really kind of seems almost like a series that the home team wins. It doesn't matter because, I mean, when you look at the, the year they won 27-17, 2015, that was uh, the year right after the NFC Championship game when they beat the Packers. They went to the Super Bowl, came to Green Bay, we beat them. Then 2016, when we won 38-10, we were kind of a, a, you know, we didn't know what we were. Seattle was pretty good. You know, so it seems to be like it doesn't really matter what these teams are. The real advantage is home field advantage. So the last time we won there, 2008, they're only a two and a half point favorite, though, opening in the Vegas lines right now. Jacob, what do you make of this <laughs> matchup? I mean, you and I both don't think they'll win, but I think the bigger question is. Is this going to be a, a blowout game, or is this going to be another game where we see maybe Green Bay stick with them for three quarters and let it get away in the fourth quarter? Well, let me let me start by saying the last time Green Bay won in Seattle was actually 2012. It just didn't count because Lance Easley was around. So, 
Let me just get that dig out of the way. Um, and before you watch the game tomorrow night, everyone, yes, I know exactly what happened the last time Green Bay went to Seattle. It is described as, and I've been very fortunate because I can say this and mean it, it was the worst day of my life the last time they went to Seattle. So home field advantage has mattered, like you mentioned. Um, you know, the Packers have won the last three. Uh, all of those, like you said, were at home. The one thing that they do have maybe an advantage, I don't know if you want to call it that, but they've kind of had Russell Wilson's number uh, in the last few games. That NFC Championship game you mentioned, nobody remembers that Russell Wilson threw four interceptions in that game because of everything that happened after that. After that, they intercepted him, I believe, four or five times two years ago, and they forced a huge fumble on him uh, last year to really get the touchdown and kind of put that game in the control of the Packers' hands. As for tomorrow, Seattle's a tough place to play. We know that. It's not the same that it was a few years ago, probably because the Seahawks are not as good. They have a they don't have a legendary defense anymore. Um, but they do have a good team, and it's a Thursday night game. That's the reason I tend to lean towards Seattle for tomorrow's game, just because it's an impossible situation. Green Bay already isn't a good road team. That's been shown out. They've lost every game they've played on the road this year, and they're going on a Thursday night in Seattle. Players talk about it every week, how they hate Thursday night football and how that'll be something they want to talk about when the next collective bargaining agreement comes up. Let me give you a spoiler alert, guys. Thursday night football ain't going anywhere. The NFL is not getting rid of a third of its primetime slate. So, I mean, Seattle's in a good spot here. They're, both teams are – well, the Packers are kind of at an advantage from how their games went. You know, Seattle was in a dogfight on the road in L.A. They lost in the last minute, and the Packers kind of won relatively easily – um, against the Miami Dolphins. Home field advantage here, though, I mean, I ultimately think it's going to matter. You gave the numbers. It doesn't look good for Green Bay uh, tomorrow night because it just hasn't looked good for anybody on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's. I think it's such a disappointment because, you know, I, I know the NFL, they, so we talk about Thursday Night Football and, and how awful it is, and I think there's a way to make it work. And I think they had it, but I think what they're trying to balance is, I think they're trying to balance making good matchups, right? Green yep. Bay, Seattle, like you see that, you say, great matchup, right? Earlier in the year, Minnesota at L.A., right? That's a great matchup. But one of the things I think that they're really struggling with is creating great matchups, such as what they have, and being able to make the games fair. I remember there was a period of time... And even last year, I think it was 16 and 17, uh, where what they tried to do was they tried to make them as divisional games as possible, right? So last year when Chicago came to Green Bay, right, yeah, they came on a Thursday, but the flight from Chicago to Green Bay is not that awful, right? It's not nearly what it is flying from Green Bay all the way to the West Coast and playing Seattle. And so I think they're trying to strike that balance. Unfortunately, I think you're right. It's not going anywhere. But I also, the numbers kind of show right now that if you're a road team on Thursday night football, you might you might as well just give yourself a loss. And that's not really fair when you look at it, right? And, you know, it's, it's the way the you know, it's the way it goes, right? Green Bay has played the Seahawks at home the last three years, right? We, we were bound to go on the road and you can complain about this and that, but ultimately you got to go, you got to play the game. I just think the NFL needs to do something to make it so that you're not seeing 
you know, road teams just having no chance. And, I, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, just playing on a, on a short schedule. I also did not like – this This is a small thing. I did not like that they moved the Packer game from noon to three Agreed. On, yeah. on, on Sunday. I thought that was completely unfair to the Packers, given that they had to then travel to Seattle. And you say it's a three-hour difference, but, I mean, you, you never know. For players, that, that could make all the difference in the world – you know, being home at five o'clock on Sunday instead of being at the stadium till seven or eight, maybe even nine o'clock. Um, I didn't like that on the NFL's half, but you know, it is what it is. You have to play the game. Now, Jacob, the one thing I was really surprised about when I looked at this, Seattle's only a two and a half point favorite, which, you know, when, and when you look at it, Vegas, they, they make their living off of these lines, right? So they're not just throwing numbers out there. So, I mean, I would say a two-and-a-half-point favorite would be fair on a week's rest, right? If they were playing Sunday, even in Seattle, I would think that's a fair line. I was expecting more of a five-and-a-half, six-point line, just given that it's such a short week. And I understand that both teams have to play on a short week. Um, But are you surprised at all that Vegas only has Seattle as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite? Yeah, because of the reasons you mentioned. I mean, those statistics that we gave out – Vegas knows those and every other thing possible. This is how they make their living. That's why there's so many casinos in Vegas that are so beautiful because they win a lot of your and my money when we bet poorly on on some teams in those lines. So I am surprised. Um, From a talent standpoint, I think that's fair. You know, three points is what they say is typically your um, home field advantage, what they get for home field advantage. So what this means is they would give the Packers a half point edge on a neutral field. That's probably fair. Um, Seattle's defense is not as good as it used to be. They do have the number one ranked running game in the NFL. That's something to pay attention to tomorrow night. Whether or not the Seahawks can stop the run and if the Packers will commit to that at least enough is a storyline there. But from a talent top to bottom of the roster, yeah, I think Green Bay has a little bit more talent than Seattle. Um, And I think that's what Vegas is trying to tell you. Yeah, you know, and again, I thought it was a a low amount of points as well. I do think that if you were to make this a matchup on Sunday, I would take Green Bay on a week's rest to be able to beat the Seahawks team, even in Seattle right now. And Seattle's not a bad team, but they're just they're not consistent enough for me for me to be able to buy that they would be able to win this game. Um, I want to go over the injury report quick because the injury report is always kind of a bigger deal on Thursday night. Uh, because, you know, they just played Sunday. They barely get to rest. So this is the Green Bay Packer, Packer injury report as of Tuesday. So they tackle David Bakhtiari, he was a limited participant. They expect, from my understanding, for him to be a go. Brashad Breland got hurt in the game. He didn't practice on Monday. Um, and uh, he was limited in, in practice yesterday. Kentrell Bryce, he's not expected to play at all. Uh, Belaga, he was also limited in participation yesterday. It's unknown right now whether or not he will be playing. Randall Cobb, with his hamstring injury, did not participate. From my understanding, he is he did not travel with the team. That doesn't mean that he won't play, but it's highly unlikely that he will. Jimmy Graham, he's on the injury report again with the knee injury. He didn't participate, but we've seen that, so we... We expect, unless there's something new that we don't know, that he'll play. Kevin King is on the ham- list again with the hamstring. It sounds unlikely that he'll play Thursday night. 
Blake Martinez was a limited participant yesterday in practice. It's, it's probably likely that he'll play Thursday. Uh, guard Lucas Patrick, who got hurt on that weird play on Sunday on that kickoff return, he did not participate. Linebacker Nick Perry with a knee injury also did not participate. He did not travel with the team either. It sounds like he won't be playing uh, Thursday as well. And then Aaron Rodgers is listed on the injury report. He was listed as a full participant yesterday. There's nothing there to worry about. Um, and just to clarify, he is listed on the injury report with that knee injury. I know some fans at the end of the game on that last pass he threw, you can see maybe hurt his hand a little bit. That's not why he's on the injury list, so don't worry about that. That's I don't think anything we need to worry about. That's quite a lengthy list for going into a Thursday night game. That's a lengthy list going into a Sunday game, let alone a Thursday game. Injuries, right? Nick Perry's not expected to play. Randall Cobb, not expected to play. Kevin King, not expected to play. I mean, those are some pretty big names when it comes to, you know, the defense and even the offense. How much of that is going to hurt them, or are they not going to matter that much? I know a lot of people say McBerry's not doing anything anyway. That might be true. Kevin King, they won without him. Not that he's not important, but they were they showed that they were able to win, and Randall Cobb seems to be a non-factor as well. But, I mean, just his – you know, him being a veteran, how much of this is going to impact the Packers and how much, you know, is it is it going to prevent them from winning? You know, it's strange. You mentioned, you know, the King injury is a big deal just because when he's healthy, and that's becoming an annoying phrase, but when he's healthy, he's very good. I think that's shown out this year. Rashad Breland is a little banged up. I mean, they're running a little thin at cornerback in terms of healthy with Tremont Williams moving back to the safety position. On the offensive side of things, I know that he hasn't had the greatest of seasons, but the Randall Cobb injury could be a big one just because the noise in there in that stadium is tremendous, uh, and you really need to rely on nonverbal cues, hand signals, all that sort of stuff to keep uh, your offense in a rhythm. And you've seen at times these young guys, Valdez, Scantling, and St. Brown, they're both talented but you can see, like, there was a play in Sunday's game where Rodgers threw a smoke screen to St. Brown, and he had to hesitate on it because St. Brown didn't really know what to do. Rodgers was visibly upset about that. Again, that's something that – that was in a home game, you know, and that might be your concern of Randall Cobb, again, not what he used to be. I think that's clear at this point, probably playing out the string of his career in Green Bay the rest of this season. But not being on the same page – on the road can turn a completion into an interception. Uh, and we've seen that happen before. And turnovers on these Thursdays, again, the margin for error we've mentioned is tiny. There really isn't much of a margin for error at this point. Turning a completion into an interception, a turnover could be a huge deal going into this Thursday night game. So I really think that Cobb injury is one that probably won't be discussed much because I think we're all excited about the young receivers. But it really could be a big factor for those reasons I just mentioned. Exactly, and you know, it, it, it's hard to say exactly. You know what injuries will mean a whole lot. I, you know, some of them. You know, a lot of them. They're on the injury report right now, right. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to not play. Um, you know, a lot of them very easily could play the 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 big ones, like we talked about, Kevin King. Nick Perry, 
Uh, I saw Kentrell Bryce is not a, he did not travel with the team. Uh, he's not expected to play. One last thing before we kind of wrap things up here. Interesting news. Maybe it means something. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. It could be the X factor in winning the game. Trevor Davis is expected to play Thursday night. Now, here's a guy we haven't talked about in a while because he's been on injured reserve. He's coming back. The return game has been off. (laughs) I I think about the only way to put it. Um, He's expected to play. And you got to wonder if if he can make a play on special teams, kickoff or punt return. Yep. We know he's capable of doing it. He's done it before. He's been more of a playmaker in the punt return game than the kickoff return game. But if he does that, if he makes a play, and a big one, doesn't necessarily mean scoring, but maybe flipping the field on a punt, is he the juice that maybe Green Bay needs to rely on? And and it's bad to say rely on because you don't ever want to rely on great special teams play to win you the game. You need it to win but you don't want to say, well, we're only going to win if Trevor Davis returns a punt for a touchdown, right? That's too much of an if factor. But is that fair to say that he could be the difference maker for the Packers in returning kicks and punts? Well, to be fair, if you're saying you're relying on that, you're probably not going to win a whole lot. The 2006 Bears, led by Devin Hester, begged to differ completely. Well, but Devin Hester. No, Devin and now, I will say this, though, before we go any further. You may not like the Bears, and you may not like them for that, but don't say anything. Devin Hester, greatest of all time returning kicks. I will give him that. You yes, don't have absolutely. to like the Bears. But, but yeah. yes, point, point taken. Yes, <laughs> the, the 2006 Bears would beg to differ. So, to get on track here, yes, Devin Hester is the best there ever was. But Trevor Davis, certainly, I mean – there's been some bad. Uh, him fielding a punt in the end zone at Soldier Field, for example, is an example that you could use. But there's been a lot of good, and I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about that. You know, the Cleveland game, for example, last year, everybody remembers Devontae Adams scoring a touchdown to tie the game and then win the game. But what we didn't talk about was before that, Trevor Davis had this huge punt return that basically gave the Packers tremendous field position, which with Brett Hundley was a huge deal. With Aaron Rodgers now and an offense that's fully functional, you would think that that could be a big deal. And in these games, yeah, if a road team's going to win, you're talking about turnovers, special teams, kind of your you know outlier portions of the game. Can they win that special teams battle? Because quite frankly, you mentioned it, the return game's been bad. The special teams unit as a whole has really been not good. Uh, I fully expect, even if Mike McCarthy is around next year, that Ron Zook will not be. Uh, just because this unit's been really poor all year. And Davis, yeah, he has a chance to maybe not a kickoff return, probably a better option as a punt returner here. But, you know, returning punts, if he can, you know, move it from the 20 to the 50, that could be a big difference in playing the game. So, yeah, not a huge factor that they have to rely on, but an X factor or something like that, yeah, that's something that they could uh, look for. as a If the Packers win, that could be something you're looking at. So, you know, in just kind of looking at this, Green Bay is 4-4-1 right now. And quite honestly, with the kind of the exception of the top of the NFC with the Rams and the Saints, the NFC actually, the playoff picture is actually kind of muddled. And 
you know, while you'd like to be better than four, four, and one right now, it's actually not that bad of a of a scenario. Now, I will say, I don't think Green Bay right now is playing to a playoff level, but if they can figure some things out, and you know, you got to get some wins. Obviously, four, four, and one is not awful. You know, if you're talking about if this is a must-win game, wouldn't it be very I don't know, poetic, ironic, whatever word you want to use. The last time we went to Seattle, it was a special teams gaffe that lost you the game. Right. Maybe Trevor Davis looks at that video and says, you know what, I wasn't there, I wasn't part of that team, but I'm going to go to Seattle and make a play on special teams for the Packers to get you the win. I think that would be fantastic. Now, that's a very big if, and... I mean, I, it's, it's such a big if. I don't want to say that I hope it happens, but I do because I think, A, a big special teams play would be exactly what Green Bay needs if they're going to have any chance of winning that or they need Russell Wilson to throw four interceptions again. And I'm down even, for both. Yeah, I mean, that would be great, but um, that, that would be very cool. I You know, I think I know as a Packer fan, I know Trevor Davis is not – great at the wide receiver position yet. He hasn't really turned out to be what they kind of hoped he would, but I don't think they need him to be that tomorrow night. I think they need him to be a great returner that makes good decisions. And are we ever going to see a kickoff return that for the Packers that actually is in the end zone from this point on the season. Like, I mean, I understand, like, the rules say if it doesn't go into the end zone, you got to return it, right? But, I mean, right. are we going to see any kick returns from the Packers that go into the end zone? Oh, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> you've got a lot. I mean, you mentioned the math. You know, taking the touchback makes sense. It seems like, you know, Montgomery, when he was still here, had a couple big kick returns that were called back because of penalties. And that's kind of what you're waiting for anytime there's a big return. Um you know, that's kind of the part that is difficult about everything. I mean, I don't want to predict that Trevor Davis is going to score a touchdown, but if there was a guy on the roster at the beginning of the year, if you asked me who was the most likely to do it, I would have said him. All right, well, Jacob, last quick question here before we wrap up. So, obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into what if what does Green Bay need to do with, right? And a lot of the times we say Aaron Rodgers got to play well. That's a given, Right. I think we can all safely assume or safely say that it's safe to assume that at this point, Aaron Jones needs to be an integral part of the offensive game plan if they're going to win. So if we take away the obviouses, right, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, who needs to step up offensively, defensively, special teams? If you want to pick Trevor Davis, go for it. But give me a name not named Aaron Jones, not named Aaron Rodgers, that needs to do something spectacular tomorrow night in order for the Packers to have a chance at winning. I'll take my son, Joshua Jackson, uh, because he didn't play that well on Sunday. Um, Really had a chance to change his narrative with that interception that he missed, and he didn't. I think, you know, the longer that the games go, longer the more games that are played on film and everything like that, you'll see that teams know Jair Alexander is Green Bay's best cover corner, and he's very likely to be matched up with Doug Baldwin, a good majority of that game because, A, McCarthy has said that's their best cover corner, that's Seattle's best wide receiver, and, B, that's a great matchup uh, for Green Bay as far as Alexander's abilities 
to neutralize Doug Baldwin. So what that means, Seattle's going to look to other guys to try and win the game. And Josh Jackson's the one who struggled the most uh, throughout the year, at least. You know, he's had some bright spots, obviously, as well. But I think that if Green Bay is not going to get beaten in the passing game, because here's the, I, I feel like they'll be able to stop the run at least enough. I don't know if they'll shut them down completely, because I think that's asking a lot to do. Seattle's got the best running game in football. We've talked about that. But eventually, Russell Wilson's going to make plays. And this is where Josh Jackson needs to hold up his end of the bargain. So I'm going to take him. I think that's your guy that has to have a, a good night. Uh, you know, I agree. And um, I'm going to pick, though, the Packers linebacking core, mostly for the idea that they need to be able to contain Russell Wilson, right? I'm, I'm okay with you give him – I mean, I don't want to give him a bunch of time to throw, but – he can be lethal when you don't contain him and you let him get out of the pocket and run on you. So I don't know if that means that they got to have linebackers spying him, whatever you got to do. But I'm going to pick the Green Bay linebacking core or whoever on the defense really is going to be in charge of making sure that Russell Wilson doesn't run for first downs on third and eight. Right? That, I think, is going to be the big key, in my opinion, as far as what they have to do. I know it's not a specific player. I always cop out with these type of questions. <laughs> and you I, come always, up with I always pick like a position group or make a broad generalization, but I do think it is a key to winning tomorrow night is they have to make sure that he does not extend drives by running for six, seven, eight yards on third down and picking up first down. But I think that'll be key for them winning. So, all right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Jacob, if people want to follow you, how do they do that? My Twitter handle is at Jacob Westendorf, and that's an E-N, not an I-N. I know that's a big mistake that people make pretty often. All right, awesome. Well, thank you, Jacob. As always, make sure, everyone, that you check out tomorrow's podcast, Game Day Podcast. Steve and Dusty will be breaking down everything that you need to know for Game Day, getting you ready for Packers Seahawks Thursday night. That will be on Fox. Make sure you're checking it out. Don't fall asleep on us this week and think they're playing Sunday. They're playing Thursday, and they need all the support they can get. So once again, guys, thank you again for listening. My name is Nick Schmitz. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsSmitty. And make sure to give the podcast a like, a follow on Twitter, and on your favorite streaming platforms. And as always, go Pack Go! Osweiler steps back to an empty shotgun. Three receivers bunch right, two are split to the left. Backer showing blitz up the gut, snap over the head of Osweiler. It's up for grabs and recovered by Green Bay. Kenny Clark all over it at the 30-yard line of the Packers. Adams goes wide to the left. Offset eye in the backfield, Rodgers straight back to throw. Looks, left out of the end zone, diving grab, touchdown, Delontae Adams. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers, who ducks in under center. They get motion from St. Brown to the left side. From the 29 of Green Bay, and here's a handoff up the middle. Big hole, straight ahead. Here's Aaron Jones, off to the races, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, down the left sideline, and he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the 5-yard line of Miami. Aaron Jones with a first, 67 yards. Jimmy Graham wide to the right side. Three receivers bunched tight on the left. Aaron Jones on the left side of the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers in shotgun. 
And off Jones, picks his way off the right side, fights for the goal line, and did he get in? Yes, he did! Touchdown! Second down at nine from the 27 of Miami. Osweiler play action, deep drop, throws left side, intercepted! Down the right sideline, Rashad Breeland inside the 20, and he's forked out of bounds. Breeland with his first interception for the Packers. Single safety high Miami. Soft coverage on the corner, snap to Rodgers on second down at 25. Lost right side, Pat Adams at the 5, cuts it back, ends up, high stepping, touchdown! Devontae Adams popped wide open, 26-yard touchdown catch, and it's 27-12 Green Bay. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.